The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. But the real danger is in the people who have not been vaccinated. So that's where we expect, if we're going to see a problem this winter, it's going to be among those people. If folks get their updated vaccines and they get treated, they have a breakthrough infection, we can prevent essentially every COVID death in America. That is a remarkable fact. Get your COVID shot, get your flu shot. That's why God gave you two arms. You can one in each arm if you want. These vaccines are terrific. They're not 100% at preventing infection, but they are gonna prevent you from getting seriously ill. So even, uh, we know that these new updated vaccines are far superior to the prior vaccine that we had. And it makes a lot of sense, right? Because these new vaccines target the version of Omicron that's out there. Is that if people are up to date on their vaccines, they don't end up in the hospital. They don't end up dying, especially if they get treated, if they have a breakthrough infection. So if you want to get through the holidays safely, if you want to avoid getting really sick during the holidays, this is the single most important thing that you can do. Just give us 15 days to slow the spread. We're, we're getting close to 1,000 days, are we not? That's sometime in December, I believe. But here they are. Here they are. The propagandists, they're out in full force. Fauci, Fauci, even on his way out. Has got to uh, has got to tell everyone, look, get the vaccine or you could die. You've got to get the vaccine. The vaccine's perfect. They keep saying this, even as more and more footage just rolls right through social media of people collapsing or dying suddenly. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We certainly appreciate you joining our growing audience. You can get to the live video stream of this show through our website. There you see it at the bottom of the screen, thetrumpet.com. Just go to thetrumpet.com forward slash live, and it takes you to the live stream page. And you can also get to the podcast that we post after the program as well. Should you choose to listen or to view on demand, the email address, td at thetrumpet.com. Uh, we'd love to get your feedback if we have some time today. Hopefully we can uh, get through a few emails coming in from viewers. And, of course, the 800 number for those of you that uh, are going to be subscribing to the Trumpet magazine. We just posted the uh, January edition, 2023. Donald Trump ready for war. But speaking of the trumpet, go back to the summer of 2020. Uh, the cure is killing us. Go back to the summer of 2021 about getting your jab. I'll give you some quotes on that here in just a second. The 800 number, 1-866-930-3024. Subscribe to The Trumpet and receive tomorrow's news today. This is from that uh, article, The Cure is Killing Us. It's May of 2020. I mean, you, you got the, when the world was just locking down and, uh, and working overtime to produce as we now know, deadly vaccines. That's true. If tens of thousands of people are dying or getting blood clots or having a stroke or heart attack, if that's happening because of vaccines, you would think that would be the headline news every day. Instead, you get these, these doctors coming out, the same ones, the same ones who demanded full-scale lockdown 
And now they're saying that there's no problem with the vaccine. We wrote this in the summer of 2020. In many ways, it appears the ramifications of the reaction to the coronavirus will dwarf and far outlive the virus itself. It's completely right. We're two years on, two and a half years on, as I say, almost to the 1,000 day marker. We wrote, is the coronavirus reaction interrupting the radical leftist agenda or is it part of it? Well, that's an interesting statement or question. Is it interrupting the radical leftist agenda we asked in the summer of 2020 or is it part of their agenda? And then this, this is the new normal. This is World War Flu. That's what Bill Gates, I mean the other Bill Gates, not the, not the Arizona election official the billionaire, he recently acknowledged that we did all of this basically for a bad flu. And of course, he's still all for it. He's still all for the vaccine. We said in the summer of, I think we coined the phrase, in fact, because we titled the program that, World War Flu. It says here, we're fighting for our survival, and we've all suddenly decided that a sort of public health totalitarianism is our only hope. See, as we said all along, you give them that kind of power, they're not going to let it go. They're not going to let go. This is from Gotten Your Jab Yet, July 2021, at the Trumpet, again, says America's government, with the support of the media and many businesses, are ignoring this evidence and proceeding with efforts to make vaccinations Universal, on the one hand, they have proven themselves willing to take every possible measure to prevent COVID deaths, even to the point of shutting down the national economy. Yet on the other hand, anyone who expresses concerns about the safety of the vaccines is ridiculed for their ignorance. The contrast is jarring. It is jarring. The contrast. Look at what they did to just save one person from dying of COVID. Do they take this same approach if one person dies from the vaccine or two jabs, three jabs, four jabs, five jabs? Listen to this from Tony Fauci yesterday, clip three. And if you look at the data, they are just profoundly striking of the curves of death and hospitalization of unvaccinated versus vaccinated versus vaccinated and boosted. So there is a relatively smaller difference in vaccinated and unboosted versus vaccinated plus boosted. That doesn't mean you shouldn't get boosted, but the real danger is in the people who have not been vaccinated. So that's where we expect if we're going to see a problem this winter, it's going to be among those people. There's a a new email, by the way, from Fauci that uh, shows his reaction when he found out that there were gain-of-function experiments going on in the Wuhan lab. You know, the lab that the NIH was helping to fund? Fauci, this email exchange with uh, Dr. Collins. I think I have the exact language. Surely that wouldn't be done in a BSL-2 lab. And then the colleague replied, Wild West. It's It's the Wild West, what they're doing in the Wuhan lab. And so it pretty much confirms 
that it was the lab leak. And yet, what were these same people that are now saying the vaccine's perfect and you need five, six, seven jabs? These same people were saying a little over two years ago, no, it, it, it wasn't a leak from the lab. That's a conspiracy theory. The emails that are now revealed reveal that, that, that they knew. They knew and that they went out then and tried to cover it up. And so yesterday in the press conference there with Fauci and, of course, the French ladies there to provide cover for the good doctor, she listened to her reaction when a reporter just asks about the origins, just the origins of this virus that has killed millions. Is that not a valid question? Is that not an important question? But listen to her reaction as she swoops in to protect the good doctor. Clip one. Hold on one second. We have a process here. I'm not calling out on people who yell. And you're being, you're being, you're being disrespectful to your colleagues and you're being disrespectful to our guests. I will not call on you if you yell. And also you're taking time off the clock because Dr. Fauci has to leave in a couple of minutes. I th- I'm done. I'm not going. I'm not getting into a back and forth with you. Go ahead, Jeremy. Dr. Fauci, um, but, but she's only, she's only, only thirty good questions. Not being Jeremy. Jeremy, it's Jeremy. It's Jeremy. It is not. It is not your turn. It is not your turn. She has a valid question. She's asking about the origin of COVID. I hear the question. Dr. Fauci is the best person. I I hear your question, but we're not doing this the way you want. It. This is the disrespectful. It is. I'm done. Simon, I'm done. I'm Simon, I'm done. I'm done with you right now. Simon evidently is the only one there who rose in defense of another reporter who asked about the origins of the virus. She, he says, look, she's asking a, an important question, and who better than Tony Fauci to answer it? But, but, but we, we can't get to the truth. Still. We can't go there. You see how the White House responds. Just shut up and play along. Go along with our narrative. Everybody get the vaccine. That's all that we're concerned about here. The, the, you know, if you think about the last two and a half years, what are the most important questions? That's one of them. How did this all start? And then another one. You, you, this, this kind of experimentation was going on in the lab, and then there's U.S. funding to support it. Can we, can we learn more about that? And then another one that I'd sure like to ask, how much has Anthony Fauci's net worth increased in the last two and a half years? How about that? We know about Nancy Pelosi. As soon as as she gets to the Speaker of the House position in 2007, boom, she triples her net worth in just two years' time. How much have these individuals enriched themselves? And how much will that continue? Even as they go off into retirement, and settle into a nice, cushy job as a lobbyist or as a spokesperson or whatever it might could be. He's a little nervous, of course, about any kind of Republican committees pinning him down. But you see what he's going to do in a, in a committee hearing. It'll be that kind of a reaction. How dare you, Senator? How dare you bring up the Wuhan lab leak? Well, it's right there in your emails. You're basically acknowledging that you knew, you knew it. And you didn't say anything. You just lied. It's all about the narrative with these people. 
really is disgusting. And then you see and hear about all these reports of people just dying suddenly. There's a new documentary out just this week. Died suddenly. Have you ever seen this many cases? And here again, they're trying to cover it up. You think, well, it's not, I mean, you don't know the exact numbers, so maybe it's just kind of a fluky thing. Do you think a lot of people think it's just a fluke that these young people, these middle-aged people that were in perfect health previously, they got all the jabs, and then all of a sudden they, they get paralyzed, they suffer from a blood clot, they have a stroke or a heart attack. Yorkshire Rugby Union Club has confirmed the untimely passing of a beloved and well-loved member of the team at age 29. Selby Rugby Union's first 15 captain, Tom Edwards, died suddenly in the early hours of Thursday, November 17. You're seeing stories like this all over the place. A tweet from earlier today, FAA is now investigating after the captain of an American Eagle flight, 3556, became incapacitated shortly after taking off from Chicago Saturday night. The captain died later at the hospital. The co-pilot safely landed the plane at O'Hare, 57 passengers on board. So a pilot just suddenly dying while he was flying. Happens all the time, right? Adam Zimmer, an assistant coach in the NFL and the son of former Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer, has died at age 38, his sister announced on Instagram. The cause of death not immediately known. These are just a few of the many that you hear about, and then you see so, so much of this disturbing footage of people, journalists even, just, just passing out on air. Listen to this report from Inside Edition. This is clip five. Tulsa Air and Space Museum. A news anchor suffers a stroke live on the air. Today at the, at the, at the event. Anchor Julie Chin says she suddenly lost vision in one eye. Then her arm went numb. Then her speech became garbled. The event features live, I'm sorry, something is going on with me this morning, and I apologize to everybody. She says her symptoms came out of nowhere. Here she is right before, feeling great, snapping a spirited photo promoting college football. The Tulsa are... Her quick-thinking colleagues recognized something was wrong and called 911. Let's just go ahead and send it on over to meteorologist Annie Brown. The newscaster says tests at the hospital showed she suffered the early stages of a stroke. In a Facebook posting, she says there are still lots of questions and lots to follow up on, but the bottom line is I should be just fine. Experts say more and more younger women are suffering from strokes. And now former NCIS actress Polly Perrette just revealed she had a massive stroke one year ago. It's the one year anniversary since I had a stroke and I'm still here. Supermodel Haley Bieber, the wife of Justin Bieber, is another example of a young woman who suffered a stroke. Strokes can happen in younger people and we're seeing this increasingly. Dr. Rigved Tadwalker says oral contraceptive use and other factors are leading causes. Younger people ha now have risk factors for stroke that we didn't see in the past. So this includes things like obesity, high blood pressure, diabetes, that puts them at risk. And, of course, the one factor left out of all of these reports is uh, the vaccine. 
The vaccine is not related to any of these kinds of uh, disturbing statistics. More and more, we're seeing an increasing number. Julie Powell, food writer known as known for Julia and Julia or Julie and Julia, dies at 49. 49 years of age. She had a popular food blog. She was also uh, a radical leftist as well. She tweeted out back in October of 2021. I would argue that COVID does kill some of the right people. The anti-vaxxers, maskers are dying in legions, she says. But yes, it's a real shame about Kavanaugh. I forget what it was in response to with respect to Brett Kavanaugh, maybe the attack on his house. But she's going on saying, you know, the ones that don't get the vaccine, it's good that they're dying. They should die. And now she's dead. NPR from earlier this month, cardiac arrest. She was 49. Powell died of cardiac arrest October 26th at her home in upstate New York. Is it connected to the vaccine? Well, she sure got her share of jabs. This is from American Greatness. It says, by a significant margin, and according to data reported weekly by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control, the death rate in America remains elevated. If nothing else, if nothing else is certain, as Americans continue to cope with the most disruptive event in the last half century, one fact is indisputable. As the number of cases of COVID-19 decreased over the past few months, they now account for less than half of this persistently elevated death rate. So the deaths from COVID, that's going down. But just the excess deaths in general is going up. What could be the cause for this? And why is it, why is it not getting more headlines? It says, without diving into, well, let me just give you some of the stats from this, from this uh, article. It says here, in the six, six years before COVID, Deaths in the United States average between 2.6 million and 2.8 million per year. These averages are adjusted for population growth, and with a population as large as that of the United States, the numbers should be and are remarkably stable. During the three years immediately preceding 2020, for example, the population growth adjusted death rate from all causes varied by only 1.5%. So it always stayed in this 2.6 to 2.8 million range. Just very little variation. It says deaths in the United States from all causes in 2021 were also well above. Well, let me just back up. It says none of that's true today. The increase in total deaths, deaths from all causes, not just COVID deaths, is up significantly. In the nine months in 2020, from April to December, a normal death count would have been 2.04 million. Instead, during that period, it was 2.57 million, 26% above normal. It says deaths in the U.S. from all causes in 2021, so that's the next year, were also well above normal, 3.46 million versus only 2.8 million if it had been a normal year, 24% over normal. It says so far in 2022, with complete data available through August, Total deaths were 1.91 million against a projected 2.21 million if it were a normal year, which is still up 16%. So why not? it's no longer 1% to 2% range here as far as the variation goes. Now we're up 16% or last year it was up 20-some percent. Excess deaths. 
And yet everybody's getting their jab, which is supposed to mean we're, we're healthier, right? We're certainly stamping out COVID. But how do you explain all of these other problems? It's right there on the VAERS website. It's on the CDC's own website. Adverse reactions. Remember that? They bury it in their website because they don't want people to actually look at the numbers, the figures. The, the truth is that if it was any other vaccine in any other time period, as soon as you get a couple hundred deaths, that's it. It's off the shelf. It's no longer in circulation. We'll just quietly walk away from it. But not with this one and not in this time period. Now it's all things vaccine. Pfizer, Moderna, I mean, just keep pumping it out. And keep, keep raking in the billions. Even as, even as year after year, you have these alarming statistics. Excess deaths. That's the U.S., Here's a story from the UK in the Telegraph. It says, when Britain first locked down in March 2020, the average daily death rate from COVID was around 213, triggering understandable alarm and the ushering in of strict restrictions. So 213 deaths per day. Now, a similar number of unexpected deaths are occurring each day, the majority of which are not primarily caused by coronavirus. So it's about the same death rate. In the UK right now, as it was during peak pandemic uh, coronavirus response, peak scaremongering, people are dying all over the place. Remember the guy, the, the guy that got caught cheating on his wife during the lockdown? Neil Fer Ferguson, I think his name was, said millions, millions and millions were going to die in the UK, in, 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 in the United States says, yet there is largely silence from the government and health service. Same number of deaths. It says, figures reveal there were 18,394 deaths due to COVID recorded this year in England and Wales. But since May, there have been 23,000 excess deaths where the primary cause was another condition. Some of those people did die with the coronavirus infection, but it was not the main reason for the death. It says experts continue to argue over the reasons behind this recent uptick in unexpected deaths, which shows no sign of slowing. There's no sign of slowing with the vaccine either. So you have to wonder if there's a correlation here. But yet again, all throughout the story, the vaccine not even mentioned once not even once not even considered remember when we locked everything down because covid was causing excess deaths well what about now i'm not advocating for a lockdown the lockdown didn't do anything to solve the problem the cure ended up being worse than the disease as we said at the trumpet in the summer in may of 2020 Here's another one. I think this is the Telegraph as well. It says, Cobus Dan Daniel, the chair of the CMI Mortality Projections Committee, said, the third quarter of 2022 saw unusually high mortality for the time of year, higher than any third quarter since 2010. This is in the UK. This is unbelievable. I mean, the United States and Britain, we've led the way with the vaccine. We, we produce the vaccines. 
says here, there were more deaths than expected from non-COVID causes. This contrast with most of the pandemic period when non-COVID deaths were lower than expected. It says the situation is all the more unusual as mortality rates should have fallen after the pandemic because so many people died early as a, an effect known as harvesting. Instead, we are seeing the reverse trend. Wow. Not, here again, not one mention uh, of the vaccine. What about Australia? This is from Gateway Pundit. According to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, the number of excess deaths in 2022 has already increased, which is more than the average for previous years. The number of deaths that occurred by June 30th and were reported by August 31st was 92,699. This was an increase of 13,524. That's a 17.5% increase over the historical average. 17.5%. That's Australia. The U.S. is sitting at 16% this year. The U.K., it looks like it's even higher. Why all these excess deaths? Seems like some pretty good questions were left out of the press briefing yesterday. Not even just about the origins of COVID. What, how do you explain the excess deaths happening all across the West? Any explanation for that? Just move on. Nothing to see here. These kinds of things, they happen all the time. It's all about the narrative, isn't it? Speaking of narratives, this week we saw one of the left's narratives just completely collapse in real time. It happened live on CNN. You had this, this mass shooting at a Colorado Springs nightclub where transgenders get together. There's another shooting in Virginia just last night as well. I mean, this is a sign of the times. Dangerous times, said the Apostle Paul. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 1. These are the days that we're living in. But, but for the shooting to happen at this transgender nightclub, immediately the talking heads rushed to the microphone and said, it's MAGA. It's ma this, this is because all of those parents who were protesting at those school board meetings over the kinds of books that are in the library. They were stirring up this hatred, this resentment, and it's aimed at transgender people. Listen to uh, Ben Collins. He's nearly brought to tears as he rushes to the round table. He knows nothing about the shooter. He knows nothing about the case, but he knows everything about those MAGA people. This is clip uh, eight. Ben, what do we know uh, about the alleged shooter here in terms of his online footprint? If you can't find it, nobody can. Um, you're always you know, in these dark corners of the Internet as part of the work you do. What do we know about this guy? Yeah, there's nothing under his name. I do want to say, though, um, am I doing something wrong here? Here are some headlines that I wrote over the last six months. Fueled by Internet's far-right machine, anti-LGBTQ threats shut down trans rights and drag events, remember? Uh, there was a drag event happening in Colorado. As reporters, what can we do different? Because there are five dead people in a strip mall, because that was the only place they felt safe as gay or trans people. I'm trying to say that this is happening. This targeted stuff has real life impacts. They say in the internet it has real life impacts. And I'm gonna, I don't want, five, I don't wanna wake up on a Sunday and see that all these headlines came to fruition. Let me say, you're, doing, you're not doing anything wrong. You're doing your job. 
you're uncovering the truth, you're yeah. presenting it, you're shining a light on it. The question is, as with so many of these issues, are the people who need to hear the truth listening? Right? There is a, a long history of this. You know, I, I talked to uh, this, this woman named Jennifer Merciesa, who's a rhetoric professor at Texas A&M. And uh, she was telling me about this thing called hate objects that come up in, you know, pre-fascist governments, where they take people they describe as degenerates, right? And, and you know, before Nazi Germany, it was, in fact, gay and gay people, people who played with, uh, you know, gender conformity. Uh, and they say they are contributing to the downfall of society. They are the reason that, you know, things cost more, that the crops aren't coming up, Right. Um, we have been through this in the past. It's very dark. And the people playing around with this uh, don't take responsibility. They go right back into it. But uh, again, these bodies are not on the ground yet. Yeah. And they're being used as political props right now. They're being used as political props by this guy and all the others of the talking heads, the propagandists in the media. Here's one at MSNBC that says, you know, we've got to be more specific here and actually go after Tucker Carlson. This is clip two. You need to see accountability and consequences. So first, a real quick hate crime charge here on top of the homicide charges. I applaud that. That tells me prosecutors and police, they found quickly what they needed. That means they know this was a biased crime. This is likely, and since we've heard reports that the subject isn't cooperating with police, that means they likely found clear and convincing evidence on his devices. If he's a consumer of the people we just rattled off, from Lauren Boebert to Tucker Carlson, let's get it out. Let's get it out at trial. Let's expose it for what it is, name it and shame it. He's a consumer of these people, and those people should, should face civil consequences from the victims. The, the, the shooter consumes Tucker and, and Boebert, says this crazy. So they've got to be held accountable for this shooting as well. It's not even just on the shooter. Tucker Carlson's to blame. And then, as I say, and then this happens in real time. This happens live on CNN. This is clip four. So... Attorneys for the accused shooter, Anderson Lee Aldrich, say in new court filings tonight that the suspect now identifies as non-binary. In a footnote to a motion asserting legal privileges, the public defenders say, quote, Anderson Aldrich is non-binary. They use they, them pronouns, and for the purposes of all formal filings, will be addressed as Mix Aldrich. So, in other words, not Mr. or Ms. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, that's not anything that we had heard from his background. You know, people have been looking into his background. And uh, I don't know if anybody here... Are you guys lawyers? I no. mean, you know, I don't know if... The, I, I don't know what to say about that. Doesn't know what to say. She's speechless. Because uh, we were looking into his background, and for sure, he was a Tucker viewer. And then they come to find out that he's a transgender. He's non-binary. And, and notice how she says we he's now saying he's non-binary as if uh, he's kind of the shooters kind of changed his views. I mean, this is according to a court filing. It's deceitful and dishonest for her to say he's now saying it. This is who he is. And he goes into the transgender bar and he shoots up the place and he kills five of them. But these people are so obsessed with getting Donald Trump, with taking out Tucker with blotting them out of Twitter or wherever, that they just make it up. They make it up. And, and then when the facts, when they stumble upon the facts, uh, I'm speechless. Are any of you, are, are you a lawyer? I don't know. I don't know what to say. How about if you just report the facts? 
How about if you just report it honestly? How about if you just leave aside political bias for once? Can't do it, can they? They just cannot tell the truth. They are liars. And, and Satan the devil is the father of lies. He's behind it all. All of these false, fake narratives. It was bad before the COVID pandemic in March of 2020. But, I mean, it's on steroids today. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. If you'd like to subscribe to The Truth, the magazine that tells you the truth, The Trumpet, the 800 number is 1-866-930-3024. You can send, send some feedback to the show as well. Our email address, tdatthetrumpet.com. We'll be right back. The Trumpet Daily. The Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course is a distance learning program that makes the Bible clear and understandable. The Correspondence Course enables enrollees to learn what the Bible itself says about subjects that affect you and the world you live in. This fascinating Bible course highlights and proves what the Bible says about morality, war, religion, terrorism, and other current events, focusing on the root causes of this world's many problems facing man, as well as their solutions. The Bible and this course also focuses on the reason mankind was created in the first place, the way to happiness, accomplishment, and fulfillment, as well as the truth behind important doctrinal questions, such as what happens after we die, the nature of God, the resurrection, the millennium, and other critical subjects. Enroll today in the Herbert W. Armstrong Bible Correspondence Course. Email your request to td at kpcg.fm or visit thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. I've been meaning to get to this, uh, this great story from the Wall Street Journal from uh, a week or two ago. It says here, a boarding school is conducting a social experiment, a smartphone ban for all students and faculty. It says here, Buxton School, a 57-student high school in Williamstown in North, Northwest Massachusetts, Massachusetts, had always prided itself on its close-knit community where family-style meals are eaten at round tables and students and teachers share in chores. It says, but as, smart, as smartphones became ubiquitous, faculty members say that that sense of community eroded. People were just turning inward. People were just <laughs> focusing on their device instead of on their relationships with other people. It says here, this fall, students weren't permitted to have smartphones on campus, and teachers agreed not to use them. Instead, they would all receive <coughs> minimalist light phones for essential communication. The announcement resulted, it says, in chaos. Mr. Calipo says, or he's the one who's quoted, everyone was crying, kids were yelling at us, he recalls. Parent feedback was really mixed. And then it says, now... Nearly two months in, students are getting used to life without social media and the drama of group texts. <laughs> in other words, they're fine. They're just fine. In fact, in fact they're, they're much better. That's my, I'll add my editorialism. They're, they're much better off for putting aside the gadget, for putting aside the smartphone, 
and for concentrating on building a family atmosphere, working on their relationships, learning how to give to others. I mean, among other things, there's a lot of filth, of course, coming into the average smartphone of a 12-year-old. Of a but among other things, just think about how selfish it, it makes our children. Think about how selfish it, it makes us if that's all we're looking at. People coming back to their phone and checking it, what, hundreds, maybe thousands of times per day? Studies have shown this. God, uh, you know, we don't, we don't have smartphones on this campus. It's nice to read about another organization or another school that doesn't allow it either. And, and we're much, much better off for it. It allows for us to build the kind of atmosphere that that small school in Massachusetts is trying to build and to cultivate as well. Yesterday in a forum, I talked about the word love and, and how as God defines it, I mean, it's an overused word in the English language. People use it without even realizing it half the time. And of course, it's all in the, the popular music and the movies. And pretty much the world's just selling it as lust, as get. But, but Mr. Armstrong, Herbert Armstrong, in The Missing Dimension in Sex and in many of his writings, he defined love, God's love, as an unselfish, outflowing concern for the good and welfare of the one loved. So when you remove some of the distractions, as I was telling the students yesterday, then you can really concentrate on contributing to society, contributing to the community, to the campus, to the student body, to the church family, and really learn to think about and to consider the other guy, as so many passages of Scripture say that we must. That's the spirit of God's love. Look at God himself. This is John 6, or John 3, I should say, verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. He sacrificed his son. In the God Family Vision, this is a book by my father. Here again, you can order all of our literature. It's free of charge, no cost, no obligation. You can get to it at the trumpet.com website or the toll-free number 1-866-930-3024. In the God Family Vision, my father writes, Christ was in the bosom of the Father, and he was submissive to his father in the sense that he not only obeyed his father, but he made it his goal to please him. What an example for us. He put eternity on the line to preach that message. It says, God and Jesus Christ are not just about words. Christ came to the earth and he lived God's way. He demonstrated how it works. I mean, they both gave of themselves. They both made sacrifices for others, for you, for me. Even a world that hates them and despises them, and still God would send his own son. He loved the world so much that he gave his son. He sacrificed his son, and the son sacrificed himself. Notice Romans 
12. This is verse 9. It says, let love be without dissimulation. Let your love be honest and, and sincere. Let, let, let your love really flow out from self. True love, as I was telling the students yesterday, it, it expresses itself. If you're living the way of love, you're expressing love in the way of give, in the way of service, in the way of sharing, in the way of helping, in the way of encouraging. Verse 10, it says, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. See, be kind to one another. Be affectionate toward one another. Have the brotherly love that really does strengthen the bonds in the family, whether it's the physical or the spiritual family. Both. It says here in verse 13, distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. See, just learn to help those who are in need. Be willing to reach out to help the needy to even take them in in a hospitable way. Be hospitable. There's a great opportunity for that, as I told the students, this weekend with Thanksgiving and, and uh, family time. And I encourage them to just pitch in and to help and to serve and to share, to contribute to the conversation, to the fellowship. Matthew 10 and verse 7, it says, And as you go, this is Christ's instruction to the disciples. He says, As you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. It says, Freely you have received, freely give. Look at all that you've received. Look at how much you've been blessed. I mean, even this, this national holiday tomorrow, it's the holiday of, of Thanksgiving. We're to give thanks. I mean, theoretically, we're to give thanks and we're to show gratitude and we're to praise God for all of the, the blessings that he's bestowed upon us, physical and spiritual, in the case of God's family. Give thanks. Look at how God has bountifully blessed us in so many ways, beyond measure. And Christ here, he tells the disciples, and these were disciples that, that did have to face a lot of persecution. And yet he says to them, freely you have received, freely give. Just go out there and give. What you, the spirit of this is in everything you see with God's work. I mean, this is our most popular book right now. And it's a nice book. It's, it's a nice looking book. And it, and it cost a fair bit to print as many as we did. And we give it away free. No cost, no obligation. Now, there's some very dedicated members and co-workers that contribute to this work. They freely give to the work of God. That's how that it's funded. It does cost money. And yet we want to give as much as we can freely. This is what Jesus tells us to do. You've received a lot, says Christ. Now get out there and make sure that you freely give as well. Notice 2 Corinthians 9. This is verse 6. It says, But this I say, He which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. If you, it's a law. There's a law of cause and effect at play here. 
And God says, if you get out there and you really sow as much seed as you can, in other words, give, distribute, distribute those seeds, then you're going to get a bountiful harvest in return. Now, that's not the, the motivation, or it shouldn't be the motivation for our willingness to give, only because we want to get something back in return. We just give. But God does assure us that if you do it, it really is the blessed way. And you'll be blessed as well. Acts 20 and verse 35, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Verse 7 it continues here, Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. See, give yourself, give of yourself and just be happy about it. That's what God loves. As I was telling the students, do you want to make God happy? Do you want to put a smile on God's face? Well, then just get out there and give. God delights in cheerful giving. He really does delight in that. He loves it. Verse 8, it says, And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that you may always have enough of everything and may provide in abundance for every good work. God will supply our every need. He really will. He's a father. He's the greatest giver of all. That's why Jesus said to the disciples, look, you've been given so much. So go out and freely give of what you've been given. Ephesians 3.9 talks about dispensing with this gospel message and how that we want to spread the word. We want to reach the largest audience possible and then help the recipients of those blessings, those gifts, that spiritual truth to understand how important it is for them to get behind spreading this message, dispensing with this message. It's the spirit of God's love. You see it all through the work of God. And individually, individually, we really can grow in God's character by just pouring our heart into the work. Mr. Armstrong used to make that connection, saying that to the extent that your heart is in the work of God, you're going to be growing in God's love. You're going to be growing in godly character. It's a beautiful way of life. Everyone benefits. Verse 9, it says, As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness remains forever. It says, Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. It says, Being enriched in everything and all bountifulness, which causes uh, through us thanksgiving to God. All kinds of bountifulness. The margin says there, liberality. God's just showering his blessings upon us. He really and truly does give back in so many different ways. This way of give, it really does, it really does epitomize in, in just a simple, succinct manner how we should practice the way of God. Just give of yourself. Just be willing to make a sacrifice. Be a living sacrifice. Romans 12, 1. Here's 1 John 3. Notice this, verse 16. I'll start there. It says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. See, it wasn't enough for God and Jesus Christ to just say it. They had to show us. They had to demonstrate the, the way of give as it says in the God family vision, 
And so they sacrificed. They showed us how to do it. And here in 1 John, it says, look, they sacrificed for you. Now you go and sacrifice for others. It says, but whoso has this world's good and sees his brother have need and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwells the love of God in him? Verse 18 says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. See, show it, in other words. Don't just talk about it. Don't just say you have God's love. Don't just think good thoughts or think that you'd sure like to give if you maybe had the means to do it. You sure would. How about just doing it? How about just giving, giving yourself to those in need? How about giving acts of kindness and courtesy? Even if you, have, <laughs> if you don't have any, anything physically or physical to give, you can certainly give of yourself. You can give of your personality. You can give love and encouragement. You can give service to others. You can be a provider if you're the father of a family. You can really give of yourself to the role of the mother, of the wife and mother. Proverbs 25, notice this. We have all, of course, in the church of God and at services. We're blessed here in Edmond to have a pretty big congregation. And there's a, it's a diverse congregation. People from all over the world attend here on our headquarters campus. And there's lots of elderly, too, who really do pray earnestly for the work and for others in the church. And as I was telling the students yesterday, who need encouragement themselves and conversation and, and fellowship. We have a, a wonderful opportunity to do that in the weekly Sabbath service. Notice Proverbs 25 and verse 21. It says, If your enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat, and if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. It says, For you shall heap coals of fire upon his head, and the eternal shall reward you. The eternal shall reward you. You don't see this anywhere in society today. As I said in the first segment, you, know, you can see a reporter brought to tears over an imaginary crime. I mean, the crime was real, but because the motive was something that he detests, it's right out of Nazi Germany, he's brought to tears. You have people dying from the vaccine by the thousands? It doesn't even faze them. No emotion there whatsoever. Could not care about it. Just can't, because it goes against the narrative. Where do you see this kind of spirit? Anywhere in the world today. Actually, actually, if your enemy is hungry, giving him something to eat. Notice what Jesus taught in Matthew 5. It says in verse 38, You have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite you on your right cheek, turn to him uh, the other also. That's a violent world. It's an evil world. And it's certainly a world where you can get pushed around if you don't stand strong. I've certainly made that point on this program, having the courage to stand up to evil, having the courage to stand up to, you know, corrupt actors, treasonous actors. And yet at the same time, we've got to be moved and motivated by this kind of spirit of love. Herbert Armstrong used to talk about how he prayed for his enemies. He fervently prayed for his enemies. Don't have this spirit of, of revenge 
of striking back. Romans 12 says God, or God says in Romans 12 that vengeance is mine. Let God take care of it. Let God turn the tables. Verse 40, it says, And if any man will sue you at the law and take away your coat, let him have your cloak also. I mean, just get out of that, that, that process, that worldliness. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6 talks about brethren in the church, two of God's people going to the local magistrate to sort something out, uh, maybe a, a dispute over property or whatever. And Paul says, look, what are you doing? We're going to judge the world. We've, we've, got to, we've got to look to the government of God to settle these disputes. We're going to be ruling the world soon enough, said Paul. So we want to be moved by the spirit of love, the spirit of give. It says, And whosoever shall compel you to go a mile, go with him too. Give to him that asks you, and from him that would borrow of you, turn not away. It says, You have heard that it has been said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That's, I mean, that's not the way human beings behave. It takes the love of God to behave this way. Verse 45 says that you may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. This is, this is God's nat nature. This is God's character. Verse 46, I want to hurry to get through, through to the end of the chapter. It says, for if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the, the publicans the same? It's easy to love people that you really like. But what about ones that maybe don't like you? Verse 47, it says, And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? It says, finally, it leads right into this memory verse, one that we quote all the time, but you see the context here in the lead up to it. Verse 48 says, Become you therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. This is the way of God. This is God's love. Become perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. Don't forget to email the show, tdatthetrumpet.com. We thank you for joining us on today's show, and we'll see you next time.